Hello, and welcome to Birth of Family Church Podcast. We trust that you'll find an encouraging word to strengthen your walk with the Lord. And if you're visiting the area, or if you're looking for a good church home, come check us out at birthedfamilychurch.org. There you can find our location and service times. Thanks again for tuning in. God bless. All right, let's get our Bibles out. I want you to go to Mark eleven twenty three, and we're. Let me explain this to you and I. Jesus was repetitious. Jesus preached the same thing over and over and over again. His disciples kept hearing the same messages over and over again. I can remember being in Bible school back in the day, and my wife was sitting, you know, listening to Kenneth e. Hagan uh, during one of his seminars, and he was just tearing it up, and, and the, the, just the word was coming. A lot of it was fresh and new to us, but there was someone behind us that, that, that as he was preaching his sermon, she would get ahead of him and say what he was about to say. So she'd say something, and then he'd say something. You'd think it would be just the opposite, right? Well, you know, me being a baby Christian, she started to irritate me. I'm trying to listen to Brother Hagin. I don't want to hear her preaching. I want to hear him preaching. So I was just getting ready to turn around and kind of tell her that she needs to get a little bit more spiritual and she needs to think about the people around her. And just as I was turning, I was turning, and then all of a sudden... Brother Hagen from the platform goes, Oh, I see Billy's here with us tonight. Stand up, Billy. It was the lady that was sitting behind me, Billy Brim, who is an awesome minister who's still preaching the gospel. And she had heard him preach so much, she was quoting him before he even spoke. So understand that repetition is the motor or the engine for learning. Repetition is the motor of learning. And so when you hear something again, don't let your mind go, I know that. No, 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 no. That, that would be uh, a little prideful, right? If I say, oh, I know that to the Lord. <laughs> Yeah, I think I do, but really I don't. And there's always more that he can expand on. In anything that we know, he can add more to it. So we, on purpose, the Lord has been getting us to say the same things. This will be week number 10. We're going to keep saying the same things over and over until you and I get it down on the inside. And that's when it starts working for us. Because we can't work the word from our mind we got to work the word from our spirit. Amen? And how does faith come? How does the word get into our heart? By hearing. Did you notice it says by faith comes by hearing and hearing? Did you ever notice that about uh, Romans 10, 17? It says faith comes by hearing and hearing. In the Greek, it talks about a continuous hearing. Same verses. Same scriptures same principles so we're going to keep hearing and hearing 
and we're going to get it on the inside. Amen? Amen. Father, here we are. Speak to us. Speak to us, O Lord. We receive your help, your insight, your revelation by the person of the Holy Ghost that lives in us. In Jesus' name, everyone shouted. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Well, here in Mark eleven twenty three, let's let's get down to the nuts and bolts here tonight. Jesus is explaining the principles of faith, and he says down here the very last portion of this verse twenty three, Mark eleven. He says he, and that's the one who's believing in his heart and saying with his mouth. See, we've got to identify who is saying here. It's the one who is believing in his heart and saying with his mouth. Saying what? What he believes. It says that person, he or she, right, shall have. Doesn't say sometimes have. Doesn't say maybe will have. Doesn't say mm, if he likes you, you'll have. No, he says shall. That's the strongest assertion that you and I can come up with in the English language. Other verses from the Greek say about this English word shall, from the Greek means if I don't have it, I'll make it for you. Shall have means from the Greek, if I don't have it, I'll make it for you. That's pretty awesome. Right? He is God. He is the creator. What's this person going to have? He shall have. What? Whatsoever he saith. Whatsoever he saith. Now you understand, this, this does not say that you can just say anything because you have to believe with your heart. You can't believe with your heart unless it's God's will. And you can't believe in your heart unless it is identified in the word of God. Amen. As a promise and that which Jesus has purchased for you in that great plan of redemption. So I can't just go out and say, you know, I have 10 million oil wells. I don't have a scripture for that. Now, if the Holy Spirit would speak that to my heart, that's different, right? Because what did, what did Jesus say to Peter when he's hanging out in the boat going, if it's you, bid me to come to you in, on the water? If Jesus hadn't said nothing, he would have dropped like a rock if he had gotten out of the boat and started walking. Yes. But see, he had a come. So understand that you can't just randomly say whatever. <laughs> and, and, and I'm the textbook example of that in my younger years, which weren't too long ago. All right? You, 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 right? We're growing. Amen? You, you'd shudder to think some of the things I said I had or tried to create by saying. So understand that there are parameters on what you can say. Because you got to believe. Amen? So we're learning to cooperate with spiritual laws. You see, in order to have what you say, you and I are working and operating in laws of the Spirit, the laws of the kingdom of God, 
the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And so as we learn how to cooperate with these laws and exercise these laws, then we begin to create by what we say. Amen. We can have what we say, or could I say we create what we say. Amen. Amen. There's a lot more we can say about that, and we just might later on. We'll see. We saw last week that God began to teach Abraham. It's interesting. Scripture says that Abram, I should say Abram, Abram was the first person that God preached the gospel to. He's the first individual that God preached the gospel to, and Abram believed it. And then because of that, he had a standing of God of righteousness. He is the, the forerunner of the faith that you and I now have. He first used that faith to get in right standing with God because he believed the gospel that God preached to him. Now, he also began to teach Abram about how to create what God had provided for him. You see, God always has a plan, and he always has the resources already put forth to facilitate and to create the plan. When Jesus said, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. You see, Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world. He was slain in the heart of God because there, before there was a world. Creation was already a fact in God's heart. It was already a reality for all of humanity before there was a world. And that's why the devil's a bonehead. God already had a plan to wipe out his kingdom before there was a kingdom, before he rebelled. Hallelujah. So understand that what you and I are going to need is already a reality through the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1.3 says that, that God hath blessed us, has already blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Over there in Peter, I'm, I'm sorry if it's first or second Peter, I'm sorry, I don't remember exactly, but it says that he has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Hath given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Amen? So we have to create these things that he's promised, these things that he's made available. We do that by and through faith. Now, God's teaching Abram how to... Well, let's just look at it. Going over to Romans 4, 17. There is an anointing here tonight to preach. Good. Again, crickets. Amen. <laughs> look for places to agree with. It'll, it'll increase the anointing. You know, people wonder, why do you always say amen? Well, it, 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 number one, it creates unity. It creates agreement. It increases... A platform for God to move in our midst by the anointing. Amen. Hallelujah. And I know it used to always make me nervous when people would speak out during a service, but then I figured out what God was leading people to do. 
It says here in Romans 4, 17, that as it is written, so this is what God said before. Now he's just repeating what he said. So this verse is saying what God said. He said it to Abram. I have done what? Made you. When's he going to do that? He already did. Right? Isn't that how we present salvation? Salvation is something that's already an established fact for every person in the human race. It happened 2,000 years ago. I have made thee or created you to be or willed you to be the father of many nations. Amen? Notice that God began operating in a spiritual law by calling Abram what he already was, even though in the natural seeing realm he wasn't. You and I, as I said last week, got to get used to doing that. We just got to do it. And, and, and it begins by getting that word in our heart, right? To build up confidence, to build up faith, and to give us the platform to stand upon in speaking that which we believe. Now, even though Abram believed this, even Sarai was working on believing. Remember, when she overheard God talking to Abram in the, in the tent next to them, she heard that, they were, that he was the father of many nations and that she would bear a son. She laughed. But she came around, just like you and I have come around. And there's some areas of, of our lives that we kind of looked at and said, how's God going to fix that? But we got in there, rolled up our sleeves, and he's working on it. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. And he ain't done yet. So even though both Abram and Sarai believed that it was the will of God for them to be the parents of many nations, for 24 years they weren't. So God decided to change Abram's name. Well, why? Well, he was trying to get him to call those things that be not as though they were. He was trying to get him to become in the now, in the present tense, in the past tense. See, you can always locate faith. Faith creates. When Jesus says that you shall have what you say, he's talking about speaking faith-filled words from your heart. Now, how can I know when I'm in faith? Well, go on over there to uh, Hebrews. Just hold your place wherever we are. Go over to Hebrews chapter 11. This verse has blessed me through the years. It's, it's so awesome. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Maybe I should turn to it since we don't have projection tonight. But we do have a really cool picture of the church. Hebrews 11. Now look at verse 1. It's about to tell us what faith is. It says that now, faith is. Or could we read it this way? 
faith is now. Amen. That means when you're speaking words of faith, you're going to speak either in the present tense or you're going to speak in the past tense. Now, God called Abram, I have made thee. I have made thee. That's past tense. I have made thee the father of many nations. Amen? But you and I, we're going to have to talk in that present or past tense. For example, when you're believing God for your healing, you quote 1 Peter 2.24, By his stripes I was healed. Why am I talking in the past tense? Because he purchased my healing 2,000 years ago. It's past tense. So it's scriptural for me to call things that be not as though they were concerning my body for me to say that I was healed. Well, how can you say you was healed if you still got symptoms? And you well, you're walking by sight. Amen. And I'm walking by what God told me. Glory. That's the difference. Amen. Amen. Now, go on over to Mark eleven twenty four. You were there in verse 23. I, I love the word of God. Amen. Now, over here, this is Jesus speaking. He's still talking from verse 22 down through uh, verse 25. I, is it both 25 and 26? Yeah. yeah, all the way through when he talks about forgiveness. Now look in verse 24. He says, what things... So he's talking about seeing things. What things soever you desire, and we know it's those things that we desire that God has purchased for us, right? What things soever you desire when you pray... Once you ask for them in prayer, it says to believe something. It doesn't say to see something. It doesn't say to feel something. It says to believe something. So that means you're going to do it with your heart and not your mind or your five physical senses. Yes. Amen? Yes. I mean, you know that when you and I are in faith, our senses, our feelings, our intellect is an enemy to faith. Now, even those, though our mind and senses are a good thing, they can also be a bad thing when you're trying to walk by faith. Because faith never has physical evidence. Faith never has physical evidence. Because it's the evidence of things not seen. So if it can't be seen, it can't be perceived by our senses. Amen? Amen? And that's important. If you're looking for a feeling, if you're looking for a sign that he heard your prayer, or you're looking for progress in what you're believing for, you're looking in the wrong realm. So what am I to believe that I have when I pray, Jesus? You've got to believe that you receive or that you have what you ask for. So from that moment forth, what are you going to talk about what you just asked for? I believe I have it. What is that? Present tense. Amen. Now, if I say I'm going to have it, that's not faith. Because that's future tense. Future tense is hope. 
And hope isn't a receiver because faith has to give substance to things hoped for. Hope's a good thing, but hope's not a receiver. Hope gives our faith something to give substance to. So you have to have hope. You start out hoping to be healed. Then you find something to give substance to it, and that's the word, or that's faith. Synonymous terms. Amen. And then once you release that faith, either asking or just saying to the mountain, you believe something, you believe you, know ha you now have what you're saying so towards something or after you have prayed. Do you see that? You and I can always know when we're in faith. If we put it in the future tense, well, I'm going to be healed. Oh, yeah, baby, I'm going to be healed. Woo! I'm going to be healed. Well, not by talking like that, I'm not. Because that's future tense. That's hope. I got to say, no. By his stripes, I was healed. I'm the redeemed. Christ hath redeemed me from sickness. And he's given me the blessings of Abraham. And I believe I'm the redeemed. I believe I'm the healed. I'm the blessed. So you see, by that talking, I'm calling those things that be not as though they were, because I'm talking in the now about what God promised instead of the future. And that's what's calling those things that be not as though they were is all about, because that's the message and the sound of faith that creates. And so God had to get Abram to start saying in the present tense or the past tense that he was the father of many nations. So he changed his name to Abraham, which means father of nations or father of multitudes. So every time somebody came along and said, yo, hey, Abraham, Abraham going, thinking, hey, father of nations. The more he heard it, the more he said it. How many times a day does someone call you by your name? Well, if you're out there in the world, a lot, right? Amen. Even when you're on the phone, hi, I'm, hey, this is Bruce. Hi, I'm father of many nations. <laughs> God got him. I don't want to say that he tricked him, but he taught him how to speak faith-filled words by calling himself what God calls him. And that's all we're doing. We're just saying about ourself what God says about us. When's the last time that God called you a loser? Never has, never will, because you're the victor. You're more than a conqueror. Amen. Oh, yeah, we're going to lose some battles, but guess what? We're not going to lose the war. That's right. That's you know how many battles we lost in World War II? We still ended up on top. By the hand of God, I might add. Amen. Hallelujah. It's the same thing in the faith fight. If we stay with it, it's going to happen. So we see that 
the reason that Abram was finally able to overcome and receive what God had promised him 24 years ago is he had to start operating in that principle of saying what God says or calling those things that haven't happened yet as though they have happened. Calling those things that, whoo, just fell off the cliff. Calling those things... Calling those things that haven't happened yet as if they have happened, right? That's all we're doing. And that's what God does all the time. That's what he does for a living. That's how he creates. And he's given us his faith, and we can create the same way. Amen? Now, we talked about how we ha God has to get our agreement. We're not going to talk about that again. You got that, right? Even though by the stripes of Jesus I was healed. Even though Jesus already promised me eternal salvation. Even though it's the will of God. Even though it's the word of God. God still needs me to come in agreement with that in order for him to give it to me. And that's because we have the freedom or the power of choice. We have a will. God created us with a will so that he could have a people that didn't have to have him if they didn't want to. He didn't want robots like the angels. He wanted people to choose him. And so he'll never violate that. That's how much he loves us. He doesn't force anything on us. So just like Abram, the whole plan of redemption was on Abraham's shoulders. Because God had planned for him to give his son Isaac to God so that God could give his son to humanity. Everything hinged on Abraham. But Abraham didn't have to cooperate. He had a will. But God got him to call those things that be not. He became a father. Sarah, who had her name changed as well, had Isaac. And the rest is in the books. Amen? And then God said, give me your only begotten son. Let's go. <laughs> Where's the wood? <laughs> Let's go. He raised that knife to kill his son. And God said, okay, now I know that you'll, you will do that for me. Now I'm going to do that for you. And here comes Jesus. Permission. Permission. Man just gave God, who couldn't tread on foreign soil, which is the earth, because he had given it to Adam. Now he can come and give us his son, because a covenant man said, come on. Amen. That's why it was so important for him to start calling those things that be not as though they were. Let's look at the earthly ministry of Jesus. How's that sound? Now, this is interesting. I never really looked at the ministry of Jesus through this lens or through this view. And now that I see it, it's like, yeah. So going over to John chapter 2, we're going to see Jesus call things that be not as though they were in order to create what was to be. 
Look at John chapter 2, verse 7. We're going to go kind of quickly through these. Now, you know the story when Jesus was uh, here at this marriage festival, the marriage at, at, at Cana. And please understand that this was the first miracle that Jesus did. Why was he able to do a miracle? Because he was baptized and received the anointing. Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. That anointing came upon him through baptism, when the Holy Spirit came on him and empowered him. Okay? Now look here, and you know that Mary, you know, she brought her son to the to the wedding, even some of the disciples of Jesus were brought in. So apparently they had been doing some teaching in the area. No miracles, mind you, but the teaching alone was something they had never experienced before because it was anointed preaching. It wasn't the traditions of men. It was the actual word of God. And so here he is at this, this uh, marriage uh, ceremony, and they run out of wine. You all know the story, right? Mm -hmm. And Mary gave you and I the key to any miracle. <laughs> yeah, right? She, she told me how I can have a miracle. Whatever Jesus says, do it. Don't just believe it. Put what you believe into action. Do it. Right? Be a doer of the word. And so what did Jesus say? Here in verse 7, Jesus said unto them, and these are the servants that were to serve the wine, he says, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. What did they fill the jug with? With what? H2O. And then Jesus said unto them, draw out now. What's the time of faith? Now. now. How, how, not how, but why would he say that? Because he's calling those things that be not as though they were. He says... Draw it out now and bear unto the governor. The governor. Not the guys working in the kitchen. The, <laughs> the guy that's presiding over the entire service. And they bear it. Now why would they bear it? Because they were calling those things that be not as though they were. They agreed with Jesus and his faith. You see that? I never saw that before. You Start looking at some of the miracles in the Gospels, and Jesus will give them a command. And it completely contradicts what they were experiencing and what they were seeing, what they were feeling, but when they would obey what Jesus said, that means they came in an agreement, and now his faith that was released in calling those things that be not as though they were, they started calling those things that be not as though they were, and there came the miracle. 
Look at this. Draw it out and bear it unto the governor of the feast, and they bear it. What's Jesus doing here? He's calling that water wine. What did Mary ask for? Wine. What did Jesus tell them to pour out? Wine. As far as he was concerned. That's what he believed. Because he said, he spoke out what he believed. He was calling those things that be not as though they were. Look over here in Luke chapter 6. Now, just to let you, just by sake of disclosure, people hear the testimony about the wine and, and they think they can turn things into something else. Well, again, Jesus had the word from the Lord. I heard of a guy that a minister was flying his airplane and got caught in a storm. GPS or whatever they had back then, a navigational system in the airplane. He, he, he just, for whatever reason, he couldn't get it to work, and he was up in the air for about two hours more than he had gas for. And he was trusting God. His brother was waiting for him at the airport and already called the, the authorities saying, my brother's down. He's out of gas by now. And all of a sudden, he comes flying in, lands at the airport where his brother was. Well, he had him fill up the gas uh, in the plane. He was up there by Big Piney up in Wyoming. They put the gas into the airplane and, and found out that he had 17 gallons still in the airplane when they filled it up. And the gas attendant goes, well, these kind of planes more burn more gas than that and this this minister said yeah and they still do burn that much but that night they didn't well this wonderful believer in the service heard that and so they hop in their car you know and they're going home and his wife says hey hon we, we better get gas ah god put gas into charles cap's airplane he can put gas in my car <laughs> well they, they passed a gas station that was open he had money in his pocket to buy the gas but he decided you know he, he's calling his gas tank full right they got five miles out of town guess what they ran out of gas you see you got to have the word in your heart See, and, and again, I'm the, I'm the poster child of doing this. I heard ministers did this, and I did that. I heard uh, Brother Copeland gave away a car. So what did Bruce do? I gave away a car. I learned how to use my thumb after that. Because I did it out of what someone else had done, and not the Lord speaking to me. And so you understand it, that, that, that we've got to understand that the, all the parts and components of this principle have to be put together. And the key one is to have the word spoken and alive in our hearts before we speak or before we act. Amen? So let's look here at this man with the withered hand. Are you in chapter 6 of Luke? Go down to verse 6. And it came to pass on... <laughs> 
another Sabbath. <laughs> now, you know God's working through Jesus, right? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost with power. Isn't it interesting how God, who's running the whole show, decided to do a lot of miracles on the Sabbath? Why? Because the traditions of men said you can't do miracles on the Sabbath. So God says, make a bet. <laughs> Watch this. I, I, you know, sometimes God does things just to, uh, you know, just kind of put forth, hey, I'm God. I'm running the show here. Not, not you guys with your pens that are changing what I've said. <laughs> it's awesome. So it's the Sabbath. Everybody's supposed to be laid out during the Sabbath and watching football. And so... <laughs> And so Jesus entered into the synagogue, and you can just imagine, he walks in and all the religious leaders are going, oh, it's him, it's him. And what did he do? <coughs> what was the first thing Jesus did in the synagogue? Taught. Miracles, signs and wonders, come on the heels of teaching. The cure for unbelief is teaching. Amen. If I want to have miracles in my life, I got to have an inflow of the Word of God. Teaching. Hallelujah. So he came in, and there was, there was, he was teaching, and there was a man whose right hand it's interesting, Luke uh, was a doctor. So you know God's not mad at doctors, right? Because he's using a doctor to, to pen the word that he flowed through, man. And Luke, because he's a doctor, he has a different perspective of the other three writers of the, of the Gospels, and he always gives more information on the healings than anyone else, more than Matthew, Mark, and John. He's the only one that said the right hand. You see in other uh, accounts of Luke about people who were sick, he'll just give you more information because that's his field of expertise. Notice it says that his right hand was what? Withered. Now, we don't know exactly what that means. But I have, to, I have to believe that maybe, have you ever seen someone whose arm and, and, and one of their limbs is, is not as long as the other? Whether that be a, a birth defect or whatever. Or have you seen those that, instead of being crippled in their legs and their feet, they were crippled in their hand and they couldn't move it at all? Uh, we had a good friend, well, I could call him a good friend. Uh, who, when he was 12 years old, he got run over by a tractor. He got the tractor on a hill, it rolled over. He laid under that tractor for I don't know how many hours. He was 12 years old. And after they rescued him from under there, that arm never moved again or grew again. Completely killed. You know, the, the, the hand was still alive, but he couldn't do anything with it. And I kind of saw this man's right hand that way. Either it was crippled and he couldn't use it, or it was deformed, or didn't grow to its normal. 
but it was withered. So that tells me drawn back. Now look at this. Down in verse 10, it says that Jesus looked round about them all and said unto the man. Now what's he going to say? Wow, your, your, your right hand is withered. No, he would never call it as it is because that's not what he wants it to be. You and I have to be careful of calling things the way they are. Because when we're doing, we're saying, that's okay with me. Go ahead and stay that way, because that's the way you are. Faith always contradicts the current circumstances. Always. Always. Or then you're not calling that which is not as to the way it's supposed to be. God never called Abraham too old. He never called his wife barren. What did God call Gideon when he was hiding under the wine press? Oh, man of mighty valor. He called him what he had destined him to be, not what he was at that, pro that current time. So God, Jesus didn't call what he saw or what he felt or what he had or how he was born or whatever happened. Look what he says. Stretch forth thy hand. Well, he's calling that hand well. He's calling that, that hand healed. He's calling that hand whole. Now remember, God needs cooperation. God needs agreement. Look what happens next. What's, what's your verse say? And he did so. What did he do? He stretched forth a hand that could not be stretched forth. I remember a testimony years ago. I didn't know this person. It was just a testimony I heard. And they were out in the backwoods and they were hiking and this one guy fell and he broke his leg. And it was a, a compound fracture. I'm assuming he could either see a bulge from the muscles in the skin that the bone was now out of place because it was broken or if it actually broke through the skin. Now, they were in a remote location. This is kind of an emergency-type situation. And so they asked the Lord what to do, and the Lord said, just lay your hands on him, and he'll be healed. Well, they laid hands on that, and they believed for healing. And uh, so the guy says, okay, I believe you're healed. And he, he picked him up, and he stood up on his good leg and then tried to take a step on the bad leg and he fell over, wasn't healed. They did it multiple times. And they asked the Lord, well, you told us. He says, if you believe he's healed, have him step up on the leg that he believes is healed. 
not on the good leg. So, all right. Sounds stupid, doesn't it? But faith does stupid things or seem stupid to our mind. Picked him up, and the first thing he did is he stepped on the leg that he believed was healed. And at the moment he touched that ground, he got his miracle, but not before. So, here Jesus is saying, stretch forth your hand. He could have gone, I can't do that. I can't do that. But he took that, remember what Mary said? Whatever Jesus said, do it. He did it. He started to agree with what God said. And he called things that be not as though they were, and guess what? Over here in John chapter 5. You see a pattern here? Nobody sees a pattern? You guys seeing it? Oh, yes, he's got. You guys seeing a pattern out there? <laughs> Are you seeing it? Yeah. Jesus is calling the final result. He calls out what he desires and what he wills. Hallelujah. We're going to have to do the same. Now, let's uh, go on over to Isaiah. You are seeing a pattern, though, aren't you? Yeah? I hear a reluctant, yeah? Yeah? You could tell by the, the way your voice went up, yeah? <laughs> Did it go up like that, or am I, am I playing with you? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I want you to see a verse that you've never seen before. Luke, no, I'm sorry, Isaiah chapter 46. We're done with the miracles of Jesus. I see we're just about out of time. Isaiah 46. Everybody said. Finally got an amen out of somebody. It's funny how easy people can amen at the end, huh? Isaiah 46.10. Now look at this. Look at this. I hope there's a ding, 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 ding that goes on. You ready? Now I, I'm being very honest with you tonight. I never saw this verse before. And I've read the Bible through multiple times. I never saw this. I probably read it, but didn't remember it. This is talking about God. It's from the King James. It says that God declares the end from the beginning. What does God declare first? The end or the way he wants it to be regardless of how it began and whatever state it's in now. God declares the end from the beginning. He calls those things that be not as though they were. And from ancient times, the things that are not done yet or manifested yet, he says that my counsel or my command shall stand. Meaning that those things from ancient times that he called it be not as though they were, they will come to pass. 
regardless of how long it takes. For my counsel shall stand, and I will do. I will do my pleasure. What is his pleasure? Is declaring the end from the beginning. Now let me read this from the Christian standard. This is, again, Isaiah 46, 10. I declare, this is God speaking, so he's giving us what we've been learning from Romans 4, 17. He says, I declare the end from the beginning and from long ago what is not done yet, saying, my plan will take place and I will do all my will. So, how many of you know that God has spoken certain things into motion by his prophets? There was 333 prophecies about Jesus that he spoke the end from the beginning, and they all came to pass in the ministry of Jesus. And he's declared some things from ancient times about how this is all going to end up. <laughs> how the devil is going to be grabbed by the scruff of the neck and thrown into the pit and chained. Amen. How Jesus is coming back with a sword in his mouth on a white horse with a great cloud of witnesses. Guess what? He declared that. He declared that and, and that finished, that which was going to take place before all this stuff happened. And guess what? It will come to pass. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. I, I did have a question for all of us. And let me see if I can find it. I think there's someone out there on the stream that needs, needs to hear this. Here's the question. What does God call you and I? This is, this is an interesting question because it puts us on a trajectory to find out. What does God call me? And what does the Lord say I have? And what does the Lord say I can do? Now, of these things that God calls you and me, all those things that God has said is yours and mine, all those things that he said you and I can do, how many of those things haven't yet manifested? Which then begins to put us on this journey of picking them up one by one and start saying what God says about it so they can manifest. 
See, this is what happened to me less than 12 months ago. I resurrected this message in my heart about calling things that be not as though they were. And one by one, I've been picking out certain things that God calls me that haven't been manifested yet. And things that he says I have that haven't fully manifested for me yet. And I've been getting the word and I've been putting it in my mouth. And I've been saying what God has been saying about me. And I'm on this, this journey where they're being created now because there's an agreement with God and my heart and what I'm saying. Now, I'm not saying I've arrived. No, I'm, I'm just on, it seems like I'm just beginning this journey because it's so fresh to me. It's so new to me. Early on, my wife and I were confessing huge things because we had a childlike faith. Right, baby? But then you get in it long enough and you start, you know, getting dull. Or you get so busy in your doing, you forget about the believing. And so I've picked this back up. My wife has picked it back up. She gets up an hour or two early just to read the Bible and speak over herself. Why? So that she can call those things that be not as, they, as though they have already happened so that they can be created and manifested in her life. And I'm telling you, it's awesome. It's off. We, got, we have a different level of joy. We have a different level of expectancy. We have a different level of purpose now. And it's kind of fun. Kind of fun. So just like Abram called himself Abraham, I'm calling myself some things. I take him as my name. I'm the healed. I'm the blessed. I'm led by the Lord. Oh, everything I put my hand to prospers. I called over myself the other day that I'm a, I'm a mountain goat. <laughs> I said it sarcastically, and I thought about it. Yeah, I'm a mountain goat. I'm not clumsy. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And just start calling things into existence. Well, what happens if I don't believe that? That's more of a reason to start saying it over yourself. Because you and I can school ourselves into faith. You say something long enough, and what happens? You start believing it. And it drops into your heart just like that dime in the payphone. Right? Or whatever. Or how much we... Yeah, I used to use a dime. Father, thank you. This is our way out. This is our answer. Because no matter what we're facing right now, it's got a name. And you got another name for it. 
I just got to dig that name out of your book. Put that name in my heart and start calling myself that. Yeah, I'm the blessed. I'm the overcomer. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm the protected one. I'm the one with peace and joy and love. I'm a child of God. I'm the righteousness of God. I'm his child. Oh, hallelujah. I'm rich. I'm rich. I got an overflow of supply. <laughs> Everything I put my hand to prospers. Hallelujah. I thank you as we agree with you. Get busy getting our mouth to do its job. And call those things that be not as though they were. We will create your will, your plan, your purposes in our life. Now let's just lift our hands and say, thank you, Lord, I get it. Say, I get it now. I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. I understand. The power is in my mouth. The power is in my mouth. The power is in my mouth. I just got to point it in the right direction. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, thanks for coming out tonight. You are blessed.